Hello and welcome to another episode of Nine to Never, the podcast by Zendrop, all about entrepreneurship, e-commerce, quitting your nine to five, and creating the career of your dreams online. My name is Kennedy Meek and I'm the Chief Marketing Officer here at Zendrop and also the host of this podcast. Today's guest is someone I had such a pleasure interviewing as he is a very seasoned individual in the marketing space with a lot of expertise on brand building and brand rapport. I thought it was so important to have him on because as dropshippers, our constant struggle is going from a generic store or just one e-commerce store to a brand that can constantly build revenue and, and create success for you online. And this individual is Chris Brogan. Chris Brogan is the president of Chris Brogan Media, offering brand and digital content strategy as well as business strategy for advisory services. He is a sought-after keynote speaker and showrunner of The Backpack Show, which is all about online marketing. He is a New York Times bestselling author of nine books, and he's working on his 10th. And he has spoken for or consulted with some of the biggest brands you may know, including Disney, Coke, Google, GM, Microsoft, Caldwell Banker, Cisco, Sony USA, and so many more. Chris's expertise and history in the marketing space makes him more than qualified to give us all types of insights on marketing and how we can utilize that for our dropshipping and online stores. Today, we discussed all types of different marketing strategies from email marketing to building your brand online, setting yourself apart from your competition, and really growing from that online store to a massive revenue generating brand. I'm so excited for you to hear all of the insight that he's brought to the space, as well as all of his little tips and tricks that he has learned throughout the way to really make some of these large companies even better brands. So with his expertise, I believe you can do the exact same. This episode is chock full of so much information, so get your notepad ready or your iPhone notes open and get ready to listen to one of the most powerful men in marketing I have interviewed thus far. So today we have the incredible genius Chris Brogan on the podcast today. Um, I actually found Chris online and did a lot of research in terms of all of his expertise. He has had an incredible career thus far, so I'm really excited to be able to interview you today, Chris. Thanks for having me on, Kennedy. This is great. I'm looking forward to being helpful if I can. So why don't you go ahead and give our audience some background in who you are and what you have done in your very extensive and incredible career? So uh, one reason it looks like a long career is just because I'm so darn old, but it also, I've done a lot of different things just because I've been pretty restless. I started with just figuring out how to blog and things like that back in 1998. I had a regular day job like anyone does. Uh, but I had learned about blogging. I thought, this is kind of cool. And I started blogging back when they called it journaling. And I always tell people the same thing. It took me eight years to get my first 100 readers. No one cared. It was like, you know, my mom, a couple of relatives, a couple of nice people. And when I started to get some attention and some traction, people started saying, well, that guy's got some ideas. And after that, I started using YouTube at 2005. I had my first podcast in 2005. So I was making media on all these various platforms. And all I really kept saying to people is, I think there's something here. Like, I think there's some value to using these tools to communicate with people in and around your business and your sales and all that sort of thing. 06 comes along and I joined Twitter. I'm user like 10,212 on Twitter. And I say, there's something here too. There, this is This is important. All of a sudden, a whole lot of people show up and say, yeah, that social media stuff might be worth it. And 
so I showed up in a little earlier seeming. I showed up as if I had a few ideas. So a lot of companies paid attention to me. And so I got to speak to or with or for some of the biggest companies in the world, Google, Microsoft, Coke, Pepsi, GM, uh, Panasonic USA, Sony Electronics USA. And in all the cases, all I did was teach people, how can we be a little more human at a distance? How can we make business happen? How can we use these tools to get a lot more personable in our business? Because every time we see new software, we think, how can we be a better robot? But I thought, well, maybe not everyone wants us to be robots and maybe we could do some human stuff. And that's, I've made my whole career out of that ever since. So in your experience in working with all of these incredibly successful, large name brand companies, when you are working on humanizing their product or humanizing their brand, how does that process go about? Like, what does that process look like for you on a working standpoint? Well, in a lot of cases, and I'm very lucky for this, what I got to do is be the first person in to talk about it, which then meant they'd go and find some agency or find some group of people and, and get all the people to actually instrument and make something happen. So people always say to me, well, where's your award for some incredible thing you did with Coke? And I'm like, I'm the guy before that. I'm the guy who came in and said, you know, Coke, this would be cool. And they went, maybe that would be cool. And then they go hire some people. So what I did and, 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 to this day, I do it differently, but what I still sort of do is when I talk to big companies or, or midsize or whatever, even a solo person, I say the same sort of thing. There's, there's business process where you have to be excellent. You have to be amazing at your business process. If you don't do that, it doesn't matter how nice or not nice you are. You know, you could have the nicest people in the world serve you a terrible hamburger and it doesn't matter. Like you're like, oh, well, the nice people anyway, but I guess I won't be going back. That's how that works. If you have a great process, a solid process, not even the best process, you could say, then personality matters. Personable connections matter. The ability to be there before the sale. That was something I was telling people from, from way back, Kennedy, was, you know, what if you actually reached out and connected with people long before they'd made the decision to buy something? And what if you were there to give them uh, not just uh, information to evaluate your product versus some other product, but even just to say, I love that you're in this space. I'm in this space. This is great. Let's all be friends. It works that way. What happens is that salespeople have sort of a lead cycle. They want it to go a lot faster. So they get grumpy about that. Uh, their bosses say, look, I just need to see that you've closed sales. That's all I need to see. And so they kind of say, don't go use these tools. Don't go use digital media. Don't go brand yourself on something like a Twitter, uh, which isn't really great advice per se. Because if you could land more sales, but they take a little more upfront lead time, sort of wide area of the funnel kind of work, but you're going to land more sales, then I would say maybe do that. I'm never saying don't do what the boss said, but I am saying maybe the boss doesn't quite understand how this fits into the process of selling and, and delivering business. So I've never been gee whiz about any of these things. I've never been like, ooh, the future is... TikTok, because you can do 20 seconds of weird dancing. Never cared. Never cared. I, I'm just as passionate. My favorite social network in the world is email. That's from the 1990s. Why? Because it is a very, very uh, lean forward kind of experience. So even if I taught you to be the, the best email marketer in the world, I'd feel like I made a success. So like, actually, let's talk about that for a second, because 
with dropshippers or e-commerce business owners, you know, there's kind of two sides to the struggle of really succeeding. First and foremost, what you're just talking about, you still need to get those initial sales. You still need to get that initial success in order to fund any type of brand growth, right? And then the other half is once you've developed some success is creating a brand from the success that you've created, right? In the initial starting of a new business, where do you recommend new business owners really focus their efforts in terms of branding? I love that question. My opinion is the first day, right? Because you you can be a little bit sloppy with your branding the first day, but the big difference between someone with a hot dog cart and someone with a hot dog cart with some really kind of fun sparkles all over it is that you're going to want to go with the one with the sparkles because you felt something, you know, what's branding? It's an emotional connection to something that doesn't always need it. Now, what people get a little wrong is they think, well, I sell toilet plungers and you don't need any branding around toilet plungers. You absolutely do. But what you might need is sort of, I'm reliable. I'm very dependable. Um, I can tell you there's five types of plungers. I bet you didn't know that. You know, whatever. Uh, there are endless ways that you can take a very boring thing you sell and make it more fun. It could be in the emails that you send. It could be in the uh, the way that you handle issues. It could be in the way that you uh, track the packaging. And there's so many places, so many touch points to feel just a wee bit more human that could make you better than the biggest giants in the game. The biggest e-commerce e companies in the world don't have the time and can't afford to do that kind of branding. So instead, they're just they're running a whole different game than you. But you can be the most personable person. And guess who we want to buy from? This has been a truth for all of sales, we buy from people we like. And so why wouldn't you want to be a person that people associate with a very positive sentiment? You, you do that at the beginning. Like you don't, it's not like, you know, oh, well, I finally made enough sales that I could have an opinion. Like finally made enough sales that people could think I'm a good guy. Like you probably ought to start right away so that people could start realizing you're a good person compared to the other people selling what you could also sell. So how do you recommend someone goes about that in their first few days of business? Because obviously, you know, when you're starting an online store or an e-commerce business, there are so many moving parts already. So now we have to add in the concept of really honing in our branding from day one. How do you recommend these e-commerce store owners develop that narrative? In a world where they can buy from anyone, why should they buy from you? That's a question to answer every day. Now, I have said that on stages at keynotes at multiple events for multiple companies. There's only one company in the world I can't make that statement at because they're the one that I'm talking about when I say buy from anyone. Uh, when there are so many other people who sell what you sell, you have to stand out in some way. It could be that your price is better. If you want to have price wars with people, go ahead. But all that is is a losing game. There's only so much margin. Where do you go? Below margin? You start paying them to buy your product? No, that's a terrible idea. So, so how do you start? You start with super personal interaction. You start with uh, making your emails not come from do not reply at please God don't ever write back to me.com. You can have it come from an actual human entity. Now it may not have to be, you know, if, if, if there's a, a person named Trisha who runs all the everything in and out and they send the email, it may not come from Trisha's real email. It could come from it's Trisha at the company name. And that's the one where you keep that box and a lot of people maintain it and protect it, right? You know, maybe three or four employees are working at that. But then it's Trisha, make sure we check it out. Well, did you get it all right? You know, do you have any questions after you put it together? You know where we lose a lot of people with e-commerce? The product shows up, 
We don't do anything to onboard that person. We don't do anything to make sure that they actually execute with the product. 100% of the time I buy something, I never get another email saying, what did you think? Here's what I get for an email. Either, what do you think? Could you take my 85 piece survey, which I don't want to do, or I get, what do you think? I'm going to give you 50% off your next purchase. Well, okay. I, I don't mind money off a purchase, but what if I didn't even take the thing I bought from you out of the box yet? Maybe I bought it and I just got a little busy and I couldn't even do it. I, I literally did this. I bought a, a little mini printer like that prints almost kind of like adding machine tape stuff. Very niche product, right? And so I bought it from a very niche place. And they, they immediately pounced on me with a 50% off coupon that I didn't use because I hadn't even taken the thing out of the box. That was the first day after the product arrived. The second day after the product arrived, they said, look, you must have missed our email yesterday because you didn't execute that amazing deal for 50%. I'm like, dude, I haven't even opened the box. It's still sitting on my desk. It's, it's, it's all taped up still. Like it seemed a little uh, aggressive in the wrong way, which left me with a negative impression. So Kennedy, there's a thousand ways, even just in how you handle email. So, you know, what's the sales process? You know, something happens, we decide we need a something, right? I, I broke a spatula in my kitchen. So I went online and looked up spatulas. When do you ever look up a spatula? Don't houses just come with these? So I had to evaluate. I had to say, okay, what do I need in a spatula? I don't know. I have cast iron pans, so it could be metal. Great. That's good. After you evaluate, you uh, then you, you go and you decide you're going you're gonna to pick one. I guess even before evaluation, there's maybe awareness. Oh, I've come to the awareness that I need a spatula. Uh, you evaluate the brand that you want. Then you go to the purchase process. If the process works nicely on your site, if it's not annoying, okay, good. We feel good. That purchase is almost like table stakes. Like if, if you do that poorly, they're not going to buy from you ever again. Uh, and then onboarding. Here's where every customer almost falls off the map. Here's where every dropshipper goes, what are you talking about? I already delivered it. Onboard them. Give them something they don't get from any other person who bought that thing. Say, hey, did you want to see? I found this video on YouTube. It might be useful. You know, here's how you use that thing. And then referral and retention. Wait, you know, delivery plus X to say, hey, do you ever make good any use of that thing I sold you? That's automated. You can automate that process. Do you ever make use of SKU 2501? Uh, great, because we'd love to know what you think about it. And do you need anything for it? You need any support, supplies, anything? That's how you win. It, look how that's not scientific at all. It's just some, it's mechanics with technology you probably already have. So I really love that sentiment because we talk a lot about email marketing here at Zendrop. Um, as you said, it's one of the most lucrative and long lasting forms of social media out there, if we can call it social media. And I think you're talking about a very key part that a lot of e-commerce stores are missing, which is the brand rapport aspect of post-purchase, Right. And, you know, we've gotten, we've all gotten the same emails. You've gotten 50% off of a product that literally hasn't left the box in a month or what have you. So how do you recommend that post-purchase, post-delivery of a product, we really hone in and onboard these customers from being just a one-off customer to being a brand representative? Almost every email marketing platform, at least. Uh, if MailChimp or any of these kinds of things has spaces for um, segmentation, they have spaces for ways that you could tag people with different things. The CRM aspects of, of a platform where, you know, I've got their content, I've got their contact information, I've got their payment information, all that. Just throw the field in there that says, here's when we shipped it. Then have a thing in your email set up to ship plus however many days and I'm going to do this thing. It's so mechanized and so easy to... 
uh, we have an expression around the company I run on our media group called to automate is human. So to automate is human means that if I can do something that feels personable, even if a robot did it, that's probably a good deal. So I look for, I think I, all I have to do is know that per product, there's probably some different things. So whoever's loading SKUs into a, into a system, whoever's looking at that e-commerce platform and going, man, I got like 8,000 of these to load. I hope I'm just going to use a CSV file and go for it. That's great. But hire someone, put a niece on it, get a, get a, a couple of interns in or something like that and have that information filled in there what's the most likely time we should refer or retain this person? What's the most likely time we should touch this person again? That product that I told you about, that, that printer, just as an example, it's a little bitty printer, has little bitty tape rolls. Someone out there's guessed how fast you're going to burn through those little tape rolls. That person can hit me back because they're the only company in the world who makes the tape for this thing. They're the only one. So they can hit me back a month or two out and say, you're probably out of paper by now, aren't you? Want some more? And that would be a beautiful, beautiful feeling. And some drop shipping platforms, uh, the, some of the biggest drop shippers in the world, I should say, they do that through a whole bunch of systems. But I mean, even if you don't have that system exactly so, you could do this in a spreadsheet. You could do this on a piece of paper if you're that old timey. But the real idea is, can you can you just keep the, the communication and the connection going? And then in the middle, Let's, let's go back to people who aren't our buyer just yet or whatever. In the middle, make sure you're talking to people about that. You know, we're here for you to win. We don't want to just sell you the thing. We want to sell you success. It's easy. You can buy the thing from anyone. We want to be on your team, even if your team is printer, right? We want to be on your printer team. And I think that that's what separates the, the sort of wheat from the chaff, right? That's, that's what makes someone go, I think I'll buy from these people again. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the the timeline for follow-up communication will differ depending on what product you're selling or what niche market you're in, of course. But you're touching on a really important thing, which is, like we said, Facebook ads and paid advertising are the bread and butter of drop shipping. And so a lot of this comes from impulse buy. Um, and, you know, we see something online, we want it, we purchase it. Odds are more than likely we'll probably use it. So how can we how can brands create usefulness or resources other than just selling you the product. And that's really, I think, the key to success in terms of going from just your typical e-commerce dropshipping store to a very well-established brand that provides resources other than just the printer that you purchased or the spatula or what have you. You know, I think a great idea for a spatula, if you're selling a spatula to someone is get some egg recipes up there in your email marketing, you know? Okay, you probably have the spatula. Have you tried these three recipes? They're really awesome. Here's the benefits of them. So it's a very fine line between upselling and providing resources. And you know who, like, this is a great, let's go with the spatula for a second. It's humorous just because I literally broke a spatula, so I had to buy one. Uh, but there's, so when you make hamburgers, we talked about hamburgers earlier. There's a, there's a popular kind of burger out there called a smash burger. And there's a special kind of spatula to make a really good smash burger. And isn't the same kind of spatula you'd use for a lot of other uses. So it's a, it's a niche product. So if you sold someone a spatula and you were on like a spatula city, you would be, the, that person would be the right kind of person to say, hey, you like burgers? You ever heard of smash burgers? You probably have. You want the tool that the real pros use for it? It's this. Someone would buy that, right? When you like something, here, here's a truth for all time, Kennedy. We hate being sold to but we love buying. 
We love when we're into the thing. I'm I'm in the market right now. I'm looking at those e-bikes where it's a bicycle, but it's got a little engine and it kind of helps you a little bit, you know, and you can commute instead of use a car. I'm looking at them. Well, my gosh, I would love all the e-bike companies in the world to send me information so I'd have better sense of what to do with this. Uh, when I don't want it is when I've already bought it. So as a as a person doing drop shipping, you start to look at the people who are going to help you. I mean, look at what you're doing with Zendrop. You just have to give them the software and make the software run for them. They have to be really happy. Mm, 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 this is easy. I can't believe I didn't buy a Zendrop earlier. But you've got a whole podcast. You've got two podcasts. You, you're going to have a podcast empire soon. And I think that the thing that people should know about that is that that means that you care to educate and, and, and really equip these people that you're talking with to do better things. And I think that's why they should use your software. Not because, oh, well, we got $80 less than this other one. Price is going to change all the time. What you're buying is you're buying that someone that wants to see you win. Definitely. And a lot of young dropshippers are these you know, these individuals who really want to create a career on their own. They want to create this career, um, you know, not slave to a desk, not slave to a boss, true, complete control over the business that they're growing. And a lot of times with all of the other steps and check marks that they have to do to make sure that the business just legitimately runs, they're overlooking the fact that there's still another human being on the other side of that computer screen deciding whether or not in a series of seconds if they would like to purchase from you. And, you know, we emphasize so much here that, okay, you have the Facebook ads down, you have the fulfillment down, you know what products you're selling, you know your target audience, but what are you doing with your website, with your branding, with your social media to be a human in the midst of an e-commerce world? Um, and email marketing, like we were just saying, offering these resources as a as a store, blogging, YouTubing, you know, create connecting with in, like influencers or affiliates are such a great way to humanize you. And yet, at the same time, it's so I think overwhelming for new dropshippers who are already trying to just make their first sale. So when it comes to really humanizing your brand and looking at all of the different and somewhat overwhelming ways to do so. Where do you envision, not the easiest, but the, the quickest to execute in terms of humanizing yourself? Is it social media? Is it your copy? Like where, would, where do you recommend when you're working with companies that they start humanizing themselves first? I always think the quickest and fastest is email. If you've got an email address, then you've got gold. You live or die by your database. So if you've got an email address, then you start with, like I said, make it from it's Trish at the company, not do not reply at please God, don't ever write back to me.com. That's number one. Number two, put a name on it. You know, Snapple, like a gazillion years ago, probably you were negative six years old or something. There was Wendy from Snapple. Wendy was a real person at one point. She is a real person, but she was like a human that they said, hey, let's make this person a spokesperson. She's just a regular everyday person. And that's what people connected with. The, uh, your feeling that you can connect with uh, somebody that's real when you have a problem. Think about drop shipping, right? So I go on Instagram. Instagram has my number. They're like, I saw he was looking at this shirt the other day. I sell a shirt just like that. Instagram puts that in front of me and I'm like, hmm, let's take a look at this. But I already just bought from that other guy and I got the product I asked for and it looks just like it. So I might just go back to that other guy, right? So how do you get me? If I'm looking at that second shirt and I click through and you show, I don't know, you and your dog wearing matching versions of that shirt or something, of course I'm going to buy from you. You got a dog. The other guy didn't have a dog. So it's always that. It's always this sense of if you can make me feel something, 
Listen how weird that sentence is, Kennedy. We're talking drop shipping. You know, you might sell replacement floor mats for Volkswagen Jettas. You know, that might be where you're going to find your fame. And you could make millions off that. But if you if you could also try to be human, if you could also say, you know, who would have thought I'd be the floor mat princess, you know? I think you always win more. You always go further. And also, and this is so important as a business owner, you get out of that lane, right? There's dropshipper events, there's e-commerce events, there's places where you go that your name is known, but outside of your space, not so much. Well, how do you get over that wall? You get over that wall by being that dropshipper who also barbecues really well, or that dropshipper who also always has weird origami stuck into the boxes. And, you know, they don't have to know that you bought 5,000 cranes folded at a time. They just have to know that there's always origami hidden in there. It's, it's so simple to put something personable. So I always start with email because I just think it's the most golden example. I think doing stuff on Instagram is maybe number two because all you got to do is take a reasonably interesting photo. And, and I always want to tell people, go where you feel comfy too. Maybe you don't feel comfy with any of those things. Maybe you just send handwritten notes in the box. That's a lot of work to do. And you might have to get a lot of people to help you fulfill that as you kind of grow in scale. But you'll never forget if you get a handwritten note in a dropship box. You know, it's just a very different experience to get that feeling that someone was there for it. And so there's there's a few examples of how we could do it. So, you know, we're obviously we're talking a lot about developing this personal branding. And, you know, you and I being in the marketing space can pretty easily probably come up with a concept and then create the personable connection to it. But for these individuals who are starting new stores with objectively products that might not be emotionally connected to them, or but just products that might be trending at the time. How do you recommend going about developing that narrative? What are the resources that you found really help when someone's completely at a loss from going from just a generic e-commerce store to a brand? That is a tough call because if you have no passion for the thing you sell, you can't fake it. And I almost, well, I, I do. I don't almost. I don't recommend faking it. I don't recommend going, I love spatulas. If you don't, everyone's going to smell it on you. Everyone's going to know. And especially if it's a thing of the moment, if you had a cool fidget spinner company, uh, then don't be the fidget spinner person because when that goes away, you, you know, what are you going to have left? Right? So you're going to switch to the next trendy thing. That's not, it's, it's not a negative to do that. It's not a negative to follow trends. It's a smart idea for a lot of people because the novelty space blows up so insanely. And, and you just have to be ready for the next wave, the next wave, yeah. the next wave. And and so why not? Why not launch a new brand every time? You can do that. What you might start to think about, though, is I, I always call it the Coca-Cola company versus Coke, right? Coke is one thing they sell. When, you, when, when people start saying, man, we shouldn't have as much soda pop. Well, we'll just have bottled water. Coke makes that. They have Dysani. Coke owns Honest Tea. Honest Tea is a is a free trade organic tea company that makes you feel really good in your heart and your soul when you look at the bottles because it's it's a great story. Coke bought them. And I, I'm friends with Seth Goldman, who is one of the co-founders who sold Honest Tea. Coke put that in their market to say, we want to show that we could do this sort of thing. We could support the absolute organic free trade, everything you'd want, even though we're a big mega company. It makes you think something positive about Coke. So if, if you're going to be the drop shipper who has 85 brands, you know, as different trends go on, then make yourself that and say, I'm the novelty guy. I'm the trend guy. I'm the, and I, every time I say guy, I mean every gender. I, I want you to always just think 
that if you if you could be a level above the actual product or if that's where you are is a level above the product don't worry about it don't be this bachelor person if you're not but uh be a something and 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 just remember that the brands that you remember most and love the most say oprah oprah never said i'm oprah the tv lady she never once said that she never said i'm oprah the interview lady just oprah and then after a while, enough like repeat of what she was and what she stood for and how she stood out from all the other talk shows because she wasn't having guess who the baby is kind of episodes. That all kind of accrued. You're in a different space. You want to do it just a little bit faster. You might have to feed some people what you are and what you stand for, but it never has to feel inhuman. But one last caution, I'll say it one last time and then I'll shut up about it. If you're super not into anything you just heard me say, then please don't do it. Because doing it poorly or fake is the quickest way I could imagine you losing customers out so fast. I think, I mean, that's a very good point considering, you know, dropshipping as a business model is rapidly growing every single year with no thought to slow down. And in fact, something that I think a lot of individuals don't realize is that more companies you buy from than not are dropshipping e-commerce stores. So it is rapidly growing. And because of that, it's gained popularity and interest amongst young entrepreneurs who want to start this career, who want to go against the grain in terms of typical employment, which we obviously applaud here at Zedra. And at the same time, because of the urgency that they're creating in terms of creating a dropshipping store, um, they're missing that piece of passion. For example, I'm very passionate about fitness. My career prior to marketing was fitness. So if I'm going to go create a dropshipping store, it would make perfect sense that the first thing I decided to sell is fitness equipment for women, right? And I have the ability to create resources with that because of my expertise in the space. And I think so many new dropshippers or really just e-commerce store owners or entrepreneurs in general want to follow the trends because it seems easy. When really the easiest thing to do is to connect your personal story to something you want to sell online. I think we all, every single human being out there has one thing separate from our career or our school or our daily activities that we are passionate about. You know, what's the one thing you're most passionate about outside of your job? Uh... I would say video games. So I could make a dropship around uh, video game accessories and supplies and all the stuff like cool chairs and all that. How's that? And you would easily know how to create messaging resources and converting web pages that, you know, Shopify makes it so easy to make a web page these days Mm -hmm. that would cause passion to shine through your online presence. And if we can if we can urge, I guess, new online store owners to really hone in on what they're passionate about, all of this work that we're talking about that seems so overwhelming, the branding and the creating of an actual you know, business rather than just a generic store kind of goes away because you have all the answers right in front of you. It is your expertise. It, it is your passion. Um, so you know, obviously not knocking general stores and all of these one-off trendy products. They're super cool. I've bought a lot of them myself. However, if you're really trying to take yourself from, you know, an online store that's doing a hundred bucks a day to an online store that's doing $500,000 a month, you really need to make sure you're honing in on your expertise. And I'm sure that all of the brands that you've worked with and all the companies you work with would probably agree. Someone in that company, whoever decided to found it, had some passion that led to what they're doing today. 
There's a there's two trends that intersect that might be worth talking about because you talked about how dropshipping is just going up and up and up. I totally agree. And all these sort of DTC direct to customer type brands are behind that a bit. You know, we see something like uh, a Dollar Shave Club and we go, oh, and Casper with the with the uh, sleep products, the mattresses and all that. We go, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Dropshipping is that even if you don't have the product to start with, you don't have to come with a great product idea. You have to be an incredible service entity. All right, so that's one trend. The other trend is that humans, especially after 2020 are feeling like their brain is a big pile of mush. They feel so assaulted. So when we go to restaurants, we don't want massive menus. We want five guys. Did you want a burger or a cheeseburger, a hot dog or a grilled cheese? Have a nice day. Right? So when you, when you build your dropshipping company, big, massive affairs aren't necessarily always going to be the way to win. The way to win might be something small and really focused. Now it might be that you need to have three to five small, really focused. It might be that you have 70 small, really focused, but the one way to kind of intersect those trends is to realize, just like Kennedy said, the things you love are the things you're going to find the easiest way to talk about the most, monetize the most, and can and convince people to buy. Uh, there's almost always, if you love yoga, which is just a pure act that you don't need anything, you don't even need a yoga mat, guess what? Guess what yoga people love? Yoga mats, bottles, clothes, uh, hair bands, uh, all kinds of cool things to hang on the wall, candles. It's endless, right? So even things that don't, minimalism, people are super into minimalism. Guess how many accessories you can buy about minimalism? Tons. So, which the I think irony. is the best oxymoron in the I world. But yeah. But it's there. And, and so I think what we're both saying is, gee whiz, if you could be super passionate about it, that'd be great. And if you're not going to be, uh, some of my advice isn't going to work for you, but I think some of it still does, even if you you try to make it as close to what you can be as you want. And it doesn't have to be the product that they're passionate about. It could be about you that they're passionate about. That's very true. It's, and I think a lot of times, you know, I've found this with consulting on various brands. Um, uh, previously to my employment at Zendrop, I was a marketing consultant for a lot of fitness-based brands in LA, um, cool. considering the pandemic happened. So we're trying to make everyone digital, right? Um, and so I think I can speak to the fact that a lot of times you won't know how your branding lands with your target audience. And, and I'd love for you to speak on this a little bit as well, because I've found a lot of times, you know, you have this perfect ideal way of catching your ideal customer. It's already planned out. You have the content created, the copy written, the entire plan, the whole marketing plan is completely ironed out and it doesn't land well. Right. And you know, I think a lot of this comes down to if you're passionate about it and you're passionate about, or at least have a level of knowledge about whatever you're selling online, you're able to maneuver that brand message and play around with it in ways that doesn't necessarily feel defeating because it's something that you enjoy talking about anyway. I've heard so many stories of new store owners coming up with this full branding plan and then it doesn't land. They get no sales, zero virality, nothing happens, everything. They feel like they've completely failed and they don't want to get up and have the stamina to try again because they don't really care about the spatula or the printer, right? It's not what they care about. And so that process, because I mean, starting a new company, I'm sure you know, it takes a lot of stamina. I think a lot of people think dropshipping is so easy because it's a few clicks every day once you get your business up and running, but it takes a lot of stamina and it takes a lot of drive and why would you want to continue to try to sell something that you don't even care about? 
There's so much to say right about here. One one thing is the philosopher Michael Tyson said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. That's absolutely true about all marketing and all business, no matter what, have a nice day. You were talking about the fitness world. Fitness world, you know, everybody, uh, Peloton was doing okay. Uh, every, all of a sudden, everyone's locked in their house and Peloton's the god of all fitness things, which is not accurate, but that's the way people felt. Well, if you're a gym and you're competing against a very expensive bicycle, now what do you do? So that, you know, there's someone's marketing plan out the window. Cause maybe yours was like, bring a friend. And like, that was your whole summer plan and it's gone. You're dead. So now you have to find a new one. So on the one hand, there's that. On the other hand, if, if you're not willing to do the work, there's no zero get rich quick businesses in the world. Drop shipping is also not a get rich quick business. It is a get rich simpler business. Uh, there are ways to kind of find your wealth. And a lot of the people that you kind of idolize are usually the ones who, who just popped and you, they didn't even know it. They just accidentally had the best trended product in the world. They landed it just right. You can't do that. You don't even expect that. What you should be expecting is where do I think I can find something? And I, so I work around people who innovate all the time. I work around some of the biggest innovation companies in the world. Microsoft Research was where I went and did one of my talks. All these are the people who invent things that we're now seeing, but I was there 10 years ago hearing about them. So it could be 10 years before your thing comes to light, right? So that's how innovation works. But you know who makes a lot of money? The whoever figured out for garbage trucks that a little robot forky thing could come and pick up all the garbage trucks if we just make all the trash cans the same shape, Right. Whoever did that got billions of dollars. The, the, the least sexy drop shipping might also be the best drop shipping. You might find that, you know, you're never going to be super passionate because you sell uh, showerhead replacement kits. Well, I just put one of those in a, a couple of weeks ago and I sure feel pretty happy about it. I'm not going to need one for another 10 years, I hope. Uh, but, but don't sit around. Don't worry if, you're, if your marketing plan fails, drop it. The marketing plan isn't the business. The marketing plan is a way to talk about it. You ever explain something to someone and they're just not getting it? So you come up with some analogy and they really don't get it? Explain yeah. drop shipping to my grandparents is a perfect example of that. There you go. <laughs> so then you just try a whole other method. Like you throw out all the words you just said and you said, never let's just talk about pizza. Do you like pizza? Well, some people like anchovies. They gotta only be on this side. You can't put them on, you know, and then all of a sudden everybody's nodding their head. That's what Marketing is only one thing. Marketing is serving a marketplace. So you see this marketplace, you say in your head, a lot of people are going to need spatulas. I can't believe I'm still making this up. But you know, we're going to, a lot of people are going to need spatulas. So all you have to keep thinking is, how can I get people to get more spatulas? How can I get people to buy five? Because that'd be crazy. Why would somebody even want five spatulas? Well, real chefs have five spatulas. That's why. Next thing you know, you get a whole campaign about real chefs have five spatulas, whatever it is. But see, you can't be precious. Uh, there's a there's a thing in writing. I'm an author first, and there's a thing in writing that in nicer circles they say kill your darlings. In grosser circles they say kill your babies. It means the same thing. The thing you write about, if you were in love with this thing, but it wrecks the rest of the story, you have to delete it. You have to cut it out. It doesn't serve the story. So in marketing, if it doesn't serve the business, you have to stop. That's a very good point. And we can also parallel that to, you know, testing products. We're talking about trying to find the correct products for your online store. We do, we talk about this a lot. Our CEO, Jared Gex, is the, I guess, the expert on testing products in that similar to a marketing plan, if it doesn't work, you drop it, you move on. The, you can't, you can't 
dot, uh, you can't tie into the sunken cost theory here. If it doesn't work, move on. Otherwise, the you know the health of your business is in jeopardy. Same thing with testing products. If you have, like we were saying, 70 niche products on your store and only three of them are performing well, why are you running ads to the other 67, right? You need to really make sure that you're honing in on what's working well and what's promoting this brand and brand rapport, which is your ultimate goal. No one wants to be just a drop shipping store. Everyone's goal is to be white labeled and to have their own brand and to fully develop something that can grow into something like Coca-Cola or Samsung. But in order to do that, you have to act fast, you have to act quick and not be offended when your most passionate marketing plan doesn't land with, you know, the target audience you foresaw that it would work for. So right. There's so many things to dig into for that. And it's just the, the fact that if you, if you look around the the world of people who are successful, let's go with Jared. You know, Jared at every turn has looked at an opportunity and, and seen where he could do something with it and said, okay, I think I could take this one on. Sometimes it doesn't hit just right. He goes, oh, crud, I, I got to figure this out a little more. I got to do some more work here. What he doesn't do is go, whoop. That didn't work. And then go back and say that that whole industry is ruined. You know, he just takes, he takes it on. And so there are ways to fail at this before you even start. And there's a lot of ways to invest a lot of money uh, without you having a chance to be successful because you wouldn't, you wouldn't have been successful in any industry if you don't have the right tools and in, in, in your brain. And one of those ends up being uh, being flexible one of those ends up being just sort of looking at what's really here versus what you wish was here. There's a lot of people who look at the map and not the, the land in front of them. And they're just like, well, this map says this shouldn't be here. But if you're standing there and it's there, then you can't do anything with that. Like it, it, it is what it is. It, that is one of those sentences that you hate when someone else says it. But if you're in that moment and you could say it and, and, and mean it like, well, this is what we got then you're going to get a lot further than the person who's who's just still living by a dream map. It's very true. So Chris, I would love to hear more about how you're applying all of this very valuable information to the work you currently do today. So what does your company and do specifically with all this information and how do you serve your current clients? So I have two different companies, but I'm going to talk about Owner Media Group, which is the one that most applies to your, your dropshipping friends. So Owner Media Group is, uh, we do education and information for small business owners. And we do that in through uh, webinars, through courses, through a private mastermind, and through a little private social network community, kind of away from the rest of the herd. Um, what we do and what we apply the most is we apply a, a mix of processes uh, with kind of unique ways to go after creativity and, and marketing. So we talk a lot about marketing because there's no business where marketing isn't important. There's no business where uh, the, the marriage of marketing and sales isn't important. Because what we find, there's sort of three types of people. There's people who understand marketing is important, but they're not doing it so well, so they come. We have people that are really great marketers, but crappy salespeople, and there's only them at the company. So they've got to be both. So we teach them how to facilitate that. How do you how do you get from, gee, you seem nice to, and I purchased? Because, gee, you seem nice is going to be on your tombstone, and and I purchased is going to be on your yacht. That's how we do that. The other thing we talk about a whole ton is uh, sort of newer ways to go after fundamentals because there's a lot of ways that we were taught in older systems how to run our business or how to live our life or how to schedule and set things up. And we just feel like you don't need all of it. 
Like if you ever bought something, even in fitness, this happens, right? You buy a, a kettlebell set and it comes with four or five uh, rubber bands for like, you know, stretch uh, resistance. And you go, why did they put these in here? I don't need these. I just need these kettlebells, right? So this is true of business all the time. In business, there are these ways that people tell you to do things. And you might only need two, three, and seven. And you might not need one, four, five, six. And so we try to show you the the system, but we also show you the process to understand the system so that if you need to hack that or if you need to make it a little different or you need to adjust it for you, we teach that. So that's what Owner Media Group does. We market it almost purely through email. We don't have Facebook ads. Our landing page is somewhat atrocious, so we're rewriting it right now for the 8,000th time. Um, and our conversion is, is basically, there's two sales that you can make. There's a $20 a month subscription, which is just the webinars that we do. And there's a hundred dollars a month, which is the everything. And we, it's, it's like Netflix for business in, insight is what we call it because, you know, hundred bucks a month, you have all access to all the things and what people value is either the, the mentor experience, like the, we do the monthly, uh, mastermind calls, but also that private social network, because you can run something by a bunch of business owners. And it's not your friends and family. I find it's amazing how many people ask business advice from like their friend who's a school teacher who has never run a business in their life except for like a, a pledge drive at the school and uh, your relative or your significant other. And I find with significant others, they either super support you and love you. So they give you horrible advice or they don't support you and love you. And so they give you horrible advice. I have almost never met a significant other that is a business asset as much as they're a general life partner, friend, and good person. And so I think that if you don't stretch out beyond the people that you're friends with, whether or not you want to be, into not friends but business associates, then you're you're just always going to be playing in the kiddie pool size, and you might as well try to get up to the big swimming pool. Well, Chris, I have thoroughly enjoyed picking your brain today. Um, your career speaks for itself, but your guidance and your insight has been so valuable, and I'm sure our users will feel the same. So tell everyone where we can find you. Kennedy, probably the easiest way is if you go to chrisbrogan.com slash NL for newsletter. chrisbrogan.com slash NL. Get my newsletter. The one thing I want you to test me on is when you sign up for my newsletter, just hit reply. Because like I said early on, if we don't have that sense that you can actually reply to someone, then you're probably doing it wrong. We'll reply and talk to me and say, I heard you on that Zendrop conversation. That was kind of cool. Or, or I hated it. I hated everything you had to say. I want to fight you. I love those emails. Please hit me, hit me with a reply and you will find either a new friend, a new ally, or someone ready to make you succeed.